Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, at Love Lake Norman, we don't assume a lot about where you are when it comes to spiritual things. We, uh, we don't assume that you're in a particular place with God when you uh, listen or watch or when you walk in, or we don't assume that you know all the stories of the Bible or that you even believe that the Bible is true. We believe that there's great evidence for the existence of God. We believe that there's great support for the infallibility of scripture, but uh, we just don't assume that everybody believes that yet. What I, I do know that you know about the Bible is that um, in addition to telling the story of Jesus, his life, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and the sweeping narrative of God's love and his plan for this world, there are, I mean, let's face it, some weird stories in the Bible. There are some kind of crazy things that happen in the scriptures. There are some things that are really hard to explain and sometimes really hard to believe if we're honest. And now often, and, and we think maybe too often, we push those stories to the side. We push them off to the side. And so in this series, we're gonna take four of the stranger stories from the Bible because even, and, and maybe especially in the stranger stories, we learn something about God. In fact, the strangest stories in the Bible, they have a way of showing us some, some of the greatest things about God himself. Uh, I, I wanna start by telling you this story. Our worship pastor, Phil Hamrick, was sharing this story with me the other day about his grandfather who fought in World War II, including the Battle uh, of the Bulge, which was like the last major German offensive of the war. His, uh, his name was James William Hamrick, and he found himself in the most intense battle that he had ever seen, and he got stuck in a foxhole, and there were bullets flying everywhere above his head, and, and with uh, nowhere to go, he thought that he was surrounded and that he was going to die. He had memorized Psalm 23, and he was just sitting there repeating it to himself over and over and over again. And, and he thought for sure the battle was so intense that no officer higher than a second lieutenant would even be around, would even be involved. And it was certainly far from where you would expect to find somebody like a general. But he, he finally looked up out of his foxhole to see General Patton, the commander of the U.S. forces in full uniform with bullets flying all over the place, driving his Jeep with his uh, ivory-handled pistols gleaming in the sunlight. Patton took over, and Hamrick's company made it out, and they were on the move, and they never looked back. You know, we often have more help around us than what we think. Sometimes we just don't see it. So we're starting this series today with one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible, and I've really been wanting to, to talk about, to teach on this story for a long, long time. It's found deep in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Second Kings. 
And uh, there are the books of first and second Kings in the Old Testament. They tell the story of Israel's slow downfall. It's really a history of the different kings of Israel and they're judged by basically one thing these kings are. Did they lead Israel to worship the one true God or did they lead Israel to worship worthless idols? And so first Kings starts at the end of David's life and then the, the story goes on to his son Solomon and then tracks the story of these other kings of Israel. And so the thing you also kind of get into that you need to know in these books, especially in Second Kings, is the story of these men who stood up as God's messengers to call Israel back to God. They're known as the prophets. And two of the most famous were Elijah and his successor, Elisha. And if you know even a little bit about these guys, it probably does not surprise you at all that they show up in our series about strange stories from the Bible. So Elisha trains under Elijah and then succeeds him after Elijah is swept up into heaven by God. He's a, he's a bold man, he's full of God's power, and a lot of the things that happen in him and through him and around him that made people stand up and take notice. A lot of these things just made people stand up and take notice. Now, Israel is always experiencing threats from all over, from, from the inside and from the outside, and, and that's where we pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 6 with one of these outside threats. Here's how it goes. Now, the, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The, the man of God, who was Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? So the king of Aram, which was basically in present day Syria, they were at war with Israel. He was coming after them. He was perhaps sensing some weakness uh, in the nation that, that he could take advantage of. And so they were going to attack. He decided in some top secret conversations with his, with his generals, here's where our army is going to go. This is where we're going to set up camp. But Elisha had the insider track on this, not because he was secretly listening in on their meeting, but because he had God's ear. And so he alerted the king of Israel, and this happened over and over and over uh, again. Uh, Elisha kept telling him, here's where they're going to go. Here's the next place that they're going to go, and, and here's the next place that they're going to go. And so the king was always prepared. And, and finally, the king of Aram, he just gets mad about that. He thinks that one of his own officers is betraying him, and so he calls them out. And here's what they said. They said this, none of us, my Lord, the king, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, uh, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. The prophet Elisha has this direct line to God. They, they even knew that. And, and he's ratting us out. And so they say this, um, the king says, go find out where he is so I can send men and capture him. And, and so the report came back. He is in Dothan, the city Dothan. Then he sent his horses and chariots and, and strong forces there. And they went by night and surrounded 
that city. So the king discovers that Elisha is the problem and he says, I've got the solution. I'm going to find out where he is. And so he does and he sends out his military force. He sends his men, his chariots, his horses to surround the city that Elisha is in, the city of Dothan. And, and so they do it. They have him pinned down with nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. The, 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 the passage says that when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Elisha's servant who's, who's by his side, no matter what, he gets up early, he goes out, he sees the city completely surrounded and there's no way out, there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to escape, it looks like their time has run out and they are completely done for. And so he goes really quickly, he finds Elisha and he says those words I just read to you, oh no, what are we going to do? Let me speak to you for a minute about that feeling, that feeling. I, I've definitely felt like this at times in my life. There have been some things even this year going on in and around me that have left me sometimes feeling surrounded, helpless, maybe even wanting to escape but unable to. And when these times happen, it makes you feel like you're the only one, right? It makes you feel like there's nobody else around. There's nobody around to help. Everyone, everyone experiences moments in life where they feel surrounded. This has happened to you. I know that, not because I know you or your particular situation, but I know that because you're human. You're like me. There are enemies around you from, from within or from without that are pressing against you, that are attacking, they're looking for cracks, they're looking for weaknesses, they're looking for vulnerabilities, and they're pressing in all around you, trying to bring you down. And this can come in a, a lot of different forms. Sure, it's possible that there's an actual group of people after you, you know, but, but much more likely you feel cornered in maybe a relationship that's gone bad or with schoolwork that's overwhelming you or with a, with a mental health issue that, that will not go away on its own or maybe it's a financial struggle that has you against the wall and it looks like you will not escape. That's the thing. H however different your oppressor or whatever's oppressing you may be, it leaves us feeling the same like Elijah's servant. It leaves us saying things like he said, oh no, what am I going to do? Oh no, what are we going to do? What's the issue that's surrounding you today? Like where in your life, you know, do you feel like the surge of the enemy force is knocking at my door? Maybe you see that surge happening not in your own life, but in your kid's life or in your mom or your dad's life or in your, in your friends and you feel helpless to do anything about it? In those situations, it's really easy to do two things. It's easy to, first of all, forget who we are. And then it's also easy to forget whose we are. Uh, Elisha says this, he says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with us them. So to, to me, that sounds like something a pastor would say. That sounds like he's somebody who's trying to be helpful, but it's like, kind of like this. If I took our students in next wave, which is our student ministry, if I took them down to like bank of America stadium and we go out in the field together and I line them up and the Carolina Panthers walk out on the field and they line up against 
us and all they want to do is crush us and get the football from us and in that moment it's like if I pull these guys together in the huddle and I look at them confidently and I say don't worry we are a lot stronger than them I mean they're gonna look at me like have you lost your mind like are you not playing with a full deck is that elevator like not going all the way to the top floor there like what is going on how can you say that don't you see what we see don't you see it? But Elisha isn't crazy. He, he's, he's pointing his servant to this incredible, wonderful reality, this thing that's true about those who walk with God. And it's so incredible. I just, I just want you to take a second, take a minute, take a deep breath and get ready for what comes next. Like, will you do that for just a second? Will you just get ready? Because Elisha did this. He prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. The Lord opened up the servant's eyes and so he sees these hills full of the army of God, full of horses, chariots of fire all around Elisha, the army of God, this angel army, invisible and yet 100% present. There's an invisible reality all around us. And Elisha was, was like, good. Now I have a chance to show you, my friend, what's really real. Let him see it, Lord. And God pulls back the curtain and suddenly perspective changes. I don't know what battle you're facing right now, but here's what I know. God is fighting for you. God fights for you. He has your back. He has his angels at your side, ready to go. He stands with you. He stands behind you and beside you and, and in front of you. And you may feel like you're all alone, but you're not. You may feel like you're cornered, but you're not. You may feel outnumbered, but you're just giving God a chance to show off. You may feel defeated, but you have everything you need on your side. When you're walking into the school or out onto the field or, or into the business boardroom or into your place of work or into the cancer treatment center, here's the thing, you never are alone. You never are alone. You just need to know who walks in the room with you. Know that you're not alone. You've never been alone. God's been fighting for you. He's been behind the curtain, but he's been right there with you. And I believe that there are certain moments in our lives where he just wants to pull back that curtain a little bit and remind us that he's with us, that he's really real. And doing all of these things around us that we don't quite see. The question is when you walk in the room, you know, do you have the confidence of Elisha or that of his servant, because the servant woke up and he was like, remember what he said? I'm terrified, we're alone. We're doing uh, like, like this all on our own. We are done for, there is no way out. And be honest, how many of you woke up feeling a little bit like that today? And Elisha, he wakes up and he says, no, here's the reality. I'm gonna to choose to remember this. God's fighting for me. I walk with him. I answer to him. He's in charge of what happens here today. Not this pitiful army around this city. He's at my right side. He's going before me. His angels are all around me, carrying his unquenchable fire with them. God's always fighting for you, 
even when you can't see him. He's always fighting for you, even when you can't see him. And, and, and so it says that as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And this is incredible, really. Like Elisha doesn't ask them to be destroyed. He didn't ask him to, to be killed. He doesn't ask God to, to wipe them from the face of the earth. He asked God to blind them. And so God does. And then Elisha does an amazing thing. He leads this army, this enemy army, into Samaria, right in front of the king of Israel and his army. They're all still blind, and now they are surrounded. It says this, it says, after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked, and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? God's all about turning the tables. <laughs> you know, when things look bad, when they're looking rough, when it's looking like it's all over, you're, you're feeling the weight of everything. Sometimes God allows it to happen as an invitation to you to trust him with whatever happens next. And this doesn't mean you're going to receive every victory just the way you want it to turn out. But these are the moments in life where God flips the tables, he flips the script, and he shows you a glimpse of his true power. Moments where the invisible becomes visible, where, where what's in the, the shadows comes out and into the light, where he flexes on us just because, like, that's who he is. So the surrounding army is now surrounded themselves. And, and the king is asking Elisha, should we kill them? Like, should, shouldn't we do that? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Here's what Elisha says. Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those who have ca you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. He doesn't kill them. He doesn't even take them captive. He has compassion on them. He feeds them. He prepares a feast for them and they ate and they drank and then he sends them home. And it says that the army of Aram stopped raiding Israel. He shows them compassion, he offers them forgiveness, and he offers them a blessing. And maybe in the New Testament, like the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the Roman Christians about how because of Jesus we are to treat people, maybe he has the story of Elisha in mind when he says these words. He says, bless those who persecute you, bless them, do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited, he says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, Paul writes, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, he finishes, but overcome evil with good. It's from Romans chapter 12. In God's unlimited, and his almighty power, God's come to usher in something new. And he wants to do it through you and through me as we recognize that he holds all the keys. He's the one who holds all the power. He's sovereign. He's large and in charge, right? And even in those places that are the darkest, he is. He's always fighting for you, even when you can't see him. Even in those places where you feel surrounded, where all you can see is your enemy, where all you feel is the crushing weight of loneliness or isolation or oppression. God's waiting for us to recognize him for who he is, to call on him, to wait on him to rescue us, and when he does, then to treat people like he wants us to treat them. To answer the possibility of captivity with a feast. To answer combat with forgiveness, to make friends out of enemies, and ultimately to recognize that he's the God of angel armies, that, that, that when you follow him and put him first, all of heaven is there cheering you on, ready to go to battle with you. The army of God is going to battle with you. So wherever you are, whatever battles you face today, or battles that people in your life are facing. Know this and, and say this to yourself. I want to invite you to say this and commit this to memory this week. God is always fighting for me, even when I can't see him. God's always fighting for me, even when I can't see him. And with God on your side, like that, no matter what happens, you really can't ever lose. Let's pray. God, you are the God of uh, the angel armies around us. Even right now, as we trust you, God, you are saying, I'm with you. I'm beside you. You're never alone. There are things happening in invisible places that you can only imagine right now, but they are very, very real. Thank you, God, that you don't send us unequipped into places in our lives that are dark, into places that are difficult, but you send us with every single thing we need. May we trust you today and live in that truth that we are never alone as we walk with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.